Hey, welcome to Theology Thursday. Uh, we're back in the saddle with some normal podcasting, uh, but this is going to be a good one. Stay tuned. Nick Cleveley, man, back home. How was the flight? It's good, dude. I was like half dead, bro. You're gonna have to apologize uh, to your kids for me, man. I I I told such a lame joke. Oh, they were pretty. They were pretty damaged. Yeah, bro. I'm but, sorry uh, about that. No yeah. punchline. <laughs> really, that was. <laughs> I mean, it was just a bit of a flop, really. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, half dead, bro. Yeah, I mean, they used to love you. You know, yeah, no. I'm gonna have to work back their favor, dude. <laughs> so Nick's got this thing. Whenever he comes over to my place, he tells my kids this like incredible joke, like beyond, <laughs> you know, not. Uh, we're talking jokes, and then we're talking next level. And uh, Nick has excelled uh, on the joke telling front. Actually, pretty phenomenal, really. I'm almost keen to just get you to tell some jokes on on uh, the podcast. But uh, you know, the kids have just been enraptured. So it's like when Uncle Nick's coming, dude. It's a big thing. And then, yeah, uh, yeah we I kind get of, the we sweats, were, bro. I get like this performance anxiety. Bro. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, you've created your own monster there. That's all <laughs> I can say. Um, but the thing is, like, we, we set it up the whole time. I and mean, we were just like, oh, Nick's got a great joke. Oh, wait, wait till your uncle Nick's joke. It's going to be amazing. And then, like, <laughs> halfway out the door to the plane, and it's like, oh, boy, yeah. what a, that was just not the way to do it. Yeah. No, but I mean, I thought it was actually, I actually think it's one of your best personally. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. I just but felt anyway. like I didn't deliver it with power. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll put that on part two. I'll, I'll, um, I'll tell them to keep you under the sweats for next time. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you got back home and you're good and you're, you're, what are you preaching on this Saturday? Yeah. So this Sunday, Sunday, you don't have a seventh day Adventist. Uh, Getting back into Luke, Luke, and back into oh, yeah. apologetics. Awesome, yeah, yeah. What well, you know? It's, so that's um, that's cool. Hopefully, you guys are checking out um, next sermons as well. Um, Covenant. Let me see if I get this right. Covenant Grace Church. Uh, Covenant <coughs> Grace dot Church. Covenant Grace Baptist dot Church. Ah, Baptist, of course. Covenant Grace Baptist dot Church. Go check out those sermons, um, and uh, be blessed. All right, now Thursday theology. Um. Enough, enough talk. Let's play. Um, what is, what is, um, well, I tell you what, I tell you what. Let me read some Greek to you and you translate it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> don't, don't you want to talk about translation? <laughs> All right. <laughs> now I see where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to use the opportunity to. To show you my impressive new Koine, modern Koine Greek pronunciation. Very yeah. happy with it. I'm a Rasmian, bro. Sorry. Yeah. That ass pras kuneo. Oh, boy. Man, Erastian. What was he thinking? Erasmus, eh? That was Erasmus's deal. I'm quoting James White when I say that, so I don't know. Nice. Uh, I know the the Greek translation for that. <laughs> it's Andihazi. <clears throat> there you go. No, that's cause I'm just kidding. So down uh, to business, we are talking translation yeah. and translation philosophies. Yeah. In other words, <clears throat> the philosophies behind our English Bibles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, basically, what, what we need to, yeah. So what we need to have in our minds is a spectrum. So mm-hmm. on the far left, or you know, depending how you want to swing it, uh, let's do the most literal. So we want to move from word for word to thought for thought. So mm-hmm. word for word is on the one side, mm-hmm. thought for thought is on the other side of the spectrum. So mm-hmm. you start off on the word for word side with your interlinear. Okay, oh, yeah. this, this is where your uh, your Greek text determines the shape of the English language. And uh, this is pretty much as close to the literal as you can get in terms of translation. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's far out on the one side. And yeah. hey, I read my interlinear practically every day, so... Um, Come on. <clears throat> it's not just the interlinears. They're awesome. Dude, love my yeah. interlinear. And then you get some like really crazy uh, literal translations that are close to an interlinear, like Lung's, uh, Young's literal translation. Right. Yep. And then you get a slightly more, less, slightly less wooden, but like, still like, wooden. Um, like the message Bible. <laughs> message is the other opposite <laughs> of the extreme. So we're still word for word here. All right. So you got interlinear, then Young's literal, then you got the NASB and the uh, ASV. And then you sort of start kicking into the ballpark of where we stand. Mm-hmm. And that would be your uh, your ESVs, your KJVs, your Holman Christian Standard Bibles, your mm-hmm. <clears throat> revised versions, your revised standard versions. Mm-hmm. These would all have a, a word for word approach, but very readable in terms of the language. Right. <clears throat> and then you sort of you cross an imaginary line into what we call dynamic equivalence mm-hmm. uh, and thought for thought. And then on the on the most conservative end of the dynamic equivalence, you'd have the new revised standard version, the NIV. <clears throat> and you start swinging away from that towards more, um, yeah, thought for thought. Um, and yeah. so the the TNIV, the New Living Translation, the Good News Bible, and then, you know, pretty the much worst down to the paraphrase, worst. right? Yeah. 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 All the way down to paraphrasing it and the message, which yeah. is the least uh, accurate in terms of translation. Um, right. Quality. But it's, it's almost like at that point, yeah, paraphrase, you're almost like getting to exposition or just commentary, you know? Yeah. Um, which has its place. And I just think it's important to Definitely. think about it like that because, uh, you know, often people, you know, they get on the bandwagon and they like to mock the, the dynamic equivalent or the paraphrase or whatever. And, um, and you know, that's just because it's, you know, now all of a sudden Crossway's making a big push on ESV. Uh, as much as I love the ESV and all that, I mean, at the end of the day, all of those things have their place. Um, exactly. So, so, you know, you want to, ideally you want, you want the, the Greek text, you know, to be kind of translated and understood, uh, by scholars and then preached by preachers and the meaning made plain. But when you're reading your own Bible, I mean, you know, you're not always going to be going through that whole process. So it does, it's super, um, helpful to just get a quick sort of rough and dirty, uh, all right. Well, this is this is what a group of scholars think that this might be saying, or in in, uh, in the messages case, is what Eugene Peterson says. Um, and you know, is that, compare that with what some other guys have said. And um, and you know, you're basically on the way to the similar sort of process you'd you'd uh, do in commentaries, like when you're talking to kids. Sometimes, you know, if you if you know the paraphrase, more or less hits the the issue. Uh, by all means, I, I would say use the paraphrase yeah. if it's more and, understandable. Uh, I, would, I would say each of those translations has a purpose that yeah. it fulfills. <clears throat> so, for example, the Good News Bible, uh, yeah. they use 5,000 English words, mm-hmm. and it is aimed at uh, people whose second language is English. Mm-hmm. 
So very good. Uh, the original Living Bible, the Living Translation, was a guy who was rewriting the Bible for his teenagers to mm. understand. And I love it. You know that Carson was on the team along, I think, Grudem as well. I think even... Oh, the New Living, not the Old Living. No, yeah, the New Living, sorry. Are you talking about the yeah. Old Living? Yeah. Yeah, So, but that was the descendant, right? That was the... Yeah, that was the yeah. inspiration for the yeah. New Living Translation. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which is a lot more... Uh, responsible with the greek and i mean new living is quite incredible in that sense i mean they did they've done i mean there are some times where they they take interpretive turns in their you know complete blunders or at least they reflect a very certain theological disposition that i'm not comfortable with but um you know it, it, when it works for you it works really well because they've just got a whole group of guys that are really sharp that are phrasing things really well um i, I yeah. just think of it like like you got klein i think who was uh oh no sorry uh, someone, I'm just constantly amazed by who was on these translation teams. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Klein did something for the NIV or I don't know. I might be uh, Roger, about that. Oh, what's it? Roger Nicole. He was on the NIV. Yeah. I mean, you got some real badass kind of dudes that, um, you know, I'd be, it's just nice to know, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, there we go. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people can be overly zealous in their critique. Yeah. Um, and so the way that I've often approached it is here I am, I'm a pastor mm -hmm. and I want to preach expository preaching. I want to do expository preaching in my church. And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I want, and this is one of the things we did early on is I got a pew Bible mm -hmm. so that everyone could have the same translation as the pulpit Bible. Yeah. Um, that was not, a, so that doesn't mean you should leave your Bibles at home, but if you did want to follow along and you wanted to see how we were working through the ESV, um, that would be what that mm. was put there for. Mm. And so I, I chose the ESV because it was uh, not too wooden, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, following, it wasn't following the dynamic equivalent translation. So it was dynamic equivalence, just to sort of give a basic rundown of what that means, is you're basically you're, you're trying to translate the idiom. Mm -hmm. And uh, so instead of, you know, we would say things like two birds in the hand, um, you know, the, we've got certain idioms in our English language. Um, so instead of translating those literally so that we have to work out that an idiom's going on by using commentaries and languages and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, the dynamic equivalent translations would translate the idiom mm -hmm. um, into a modern equivalent. Mm -hmm. And so you would lose, uh, you know, words like he covered his feet, mm. uh, which means <laughs> that he went to the toilet or, uh, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So I was looking for something that um, wasn't doing all the interpretation for me because I was leaning on the preaching yeah. to do the interpretation. Yeah. So exactly. that, that was a big decision for me. Right. Um, yeah. So I was looking for a word for word as opposed to uh, thought for thought. And so the ESV um, is a good, responsible translation. Mm. I believe the ESV actually, after I think it was the third edition, they decided to close their translation. So they weren't going to do any more updates. Right. And there was such a stink made about it. They've kept their translation open. Interesting. So they will continue to revise. You know, they'll continue to update it. Yeah. yeah. Um, as new discoveries and new textual work is done. Hmm. So that, from one point of view, that's really encouraging because yeah. Yeah. you know you want a translation that you can memorize. Totally. Um, yeah. You want to, you know, something you want to keep for the rest of your life, something mm -hmm. that's familiar mm -hmm. and. Um, it's good to know that that translation is not going to become redundant yes. somewhere down the line. Yes, totally. Yeah, because that was the big thing. I mean, the King James just kind of filled that really nicely for such a long time. And that's it kind of left a gaping hole when people saw the 
the need to update that. And then you had the different manuscripts come in and all that transition needed to take place as well. So it just kicked up all the King James nonsense. And, you yeah. know, and it just kind of left people in a bit of a, we had the NIV and that was it. But the, the frustrating thing with the NIV is it just, although, you know, it, it sort of, it wasn't just new living or paraphrase. Um, it, it just, yeah, I mean, it, it in its attempts to make everything understandable, I would just feel if I was trans, if I was um, preaching from the New Living, I'd feel annoyed that I constantly have to make reference to a more wooden, literal thing to make my point. You know, it's, it, f- it feels a little bit like I'd be undermining the translation yeah. all the time. And the less of that, the better. I don't think there's a way to get completely away from that. But, um, you know, it's it just, I suppose, as you said earlier, you're leaning on the preaching there to 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 give the explanation so i'm thankful for the esv and that's i mean i remember i remember i I went on this whole big mission in war i mean this would have been like 2004 um just freaking out looking at every possibility in bible translations and you know uh under under undergirding texts and uh coming across the esv before kind of crossway got hold of it kind of thing you know or, or it was almost like the revised standard version was just being put forward as the esv this new this new translation and i remember thinking oh boy this is what i need this is brilliant you know and thankfully yeah. latched onto that and then it just took on this tidal wave of popularity um so that worked out for me but yeah i hear what you're saying i mean like it's just been great having a even though it's not a perfect translation and it doesn't claim to be Mm. It's just nice that it's got such a good mainstream, you know, uh, appeal, and yet it's it's not too paraphrased. It's just really comfortable in that sense. It's just yeah. something you can memorize, <clears throat> something you can preach from, something everyone can use. My first Bible was a King James. Yeah. Then I went to New King James. New King James, totally. Then I went to New American Standard Bible. Yeah. Then uh, that got stolen. Mm-hmm. So then I had to go. Then I went to ESV. Uh-huh. Then I went to St. Helena where they only had the NIV as the Pew Bible. Right. So I went to NIV for four years. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back to New Zealand and I was starting an expository ministry, I had all these translations that I'd used in my past and preached from. And so it was a great opportunity for me to sort of dig in. Yeah. And um, that was about nine years ago. And, mm. yep, I'd, I was familiar with the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, it is a very, it is a very good translation. Wonderful little nuances that just surprise you where other translations aren't aren't bringing the detail. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've just stuck with the ESV, and I think primarily not because it's necessarily the best translation overall. Um, I am trying to use the Greek as much as possible. Yeah, um, I'm not re- purely relying on English translation, but it. I think one of the things that tipped me over was the fact that it is trying to honor the 400 years of the way in mm, which uh, mm. the King James has shaped the English language. Absolutely. And uh, if you t- if you take the King James and you look at Psalm 23 and you look at the ESV in <laughs> Psalm 23, it, it reads word for word the same except without the these and thous. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And that's really satisfying. Totally. It's um, the true new King James in that sense. Yeah, in that sense. Yeah, it's the, yeah. It's the true legacy. Uh, update because i mean I, I mean a lot of people might or might, i mean i think this is fairly common knowledge but you've got two different underlying greek texts in the king james and the new king james uh and you know pretty much all the other translations um and uh and that that, sh- that does affect some things beyond these and thousand updates in that regard you've got yeah. some you know actual sections <clears throat> of text that are a little bit different and so um you know i think i think you know the 
you know, this is sparking up a whole new debate, but uh, the, the consensus is that um, the, the text underlying the new translations are, are superior. They've, they've just been worked through a ton more than was able to be worked through in those older texts and older collection of, of Greek texts. And so, you know, it's, it's working on a better the ESV I'm talking about now in terms of um, even from the new King James, it's working on a better set of Greek texts and underlying yeah. manuscripts. And then it's also updating things as the new King James tried to do uh, yet within that, that legacy, which is just, you know, all the boxes ticked right there. Yeah. Well, that's one of the, also one of the reasons why I chose the ESV is I agree with the eclectic text approach in terms, yeah. terms of the Greek manuscripts, as opposed to a single text family, mm-hmm. like the TR, the Textus Receptus. Yeah. Or the Byzantine that, majority. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, majority text. Yeah. So um, I did yeah, have a little moment though. I mean, I had this majority <clears> text, not, not, Texas Receptus. I think it's fairly obvious that 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 needs to you know be updated. I mean, er, Erasmus didn't even have um, the Greek text for for Revelation. He worked it backwards from the Latin. (laughs) So you know, I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know how the King James movement you know could even be a thing. But um, you know, in terms of um, majority text, is pretty convincing as well. But anyways, that's maybe a a thing for another time. Yeah. So. I think just one more thing on Bible translation, which uh, just what went into my own thinking, mm-hmm. which might help others, is verbal plenary inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we want a, a, an English translation that's what we might call an essentially literal, though we can never get a pure literal translation? Mm-hmm. Why do we want to try and stick as close as we can to the original Greek words? Right. Why, why do we just want to translate thought for thought? And, and uh, why don't we just do away with word for word and, and keep thought for thought? And mm-hmm. I think... God breathed every word, verbal, plenary inspiration, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, verbal words, plenary, every word, inspiration, oh, exhumation or (laughs) what's it? Expiration. Expiration. God breathed it out. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't breathe into it. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for in in an English Bible. Yeah. In my, in the language, my natural language. Yeah, so, totally. And then, uh, you know, we've made a few comments about that formal, formal uh, NASB kind of thing where <laughs> you, I remember Spurgeon uh, commenting on that sort of thing where he goes, very strong in Greek, very poor in English. <laughs> and um, and look, The NASB really suited me because I, whenever I read the Bible, I don't read huge reams of the Bible. I only read very small portions. Okay, yeah. So I'm not looking for it to be smooth. Right. I'm just looking for it. I'm just looking for the detail. And you want you to know? chew in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's another point to make as well. Um, it, you know, I remember just coming to the point where I was thinking this is maybe just a little bit prior to original language study, but like, you know, you want a few different translations on your desk, right? Cause yeah. it depends on what you're doing. Like if you, again, if you're, uh, if you're wanting to hit a whole book, you know, like I'm going to start preaching through this book by book series. I'm going to encourage the church to read along, try and get the whole Bible yeah. done in six, six uh, Sundays. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a fast pace. They're going to have to read uh, to be stuck on a <laughs> super wooden translation is not going to be helpful. Rather go with the paraphrase, get the big idea, you know, yeah. um, and get through the actual book. Whereas One yeah, of my Bible you, college lecturers encouraged me to do the prophets in the New Living Translation. Right. Just because it reads so much better, totally smoother. Although it ends up being super dispensational. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's something like the New Living Translation. I mean, here's one reason why I don't like it: it's yeah. Beatitudes. Blessed are the gentle; they shall inherit <laughs> yeah. uh, the earth. Yeah, oh, and man. the word meek is much broader in its semantic under, uh, domain than just mere gentleness. Yeah, and so, so no, meek is that person who waits upon the Lord while suffering 
for God to fulfill his commandments, you right. know, has connotations in certain portions of the Old Testament and gentle shuts that door. Totally, totally. So, you know, I want the ambiguity so that yeah. I can explore that ambiguity. So, well, yeah, and, I, and that's it. So, you know, if you're going to tuck into one little area or, you know, you, you know, you want to get into any level of detail at all. I mean, obviously that, that you need that other Bible, you need them both up and, and even to have them both open is kind of helpful. If you've got Lagos or something like that, uh, they have this really helpful little thing where they do a, a Steve, you've got like, let's say seven or eight translations on your Lagos software. It'll just yeah. immediately give you a, like a highlighted comparative difference between, um, all the translations. I mean, I find that's incredibly helpful. Um, and really you need to have that one way or another, just because we don't yep. know the, the original. So we have to really give ourselves as, as best as possible. Uh, yeah. Um, a, you know, so on, on my desk, I've got an interlinear mm-hmm. with the NASB on one side mm-hmm. and the NIV on the other. And I use the ESV for my preaching. So I sort of yeah. stick with that between those, yeah. So yeah. those four translations. Brilliant. You know, another translation that's worth always mentioning uh, when we're talking this way, because uh, it doesn't give enough, get enough press, but I think it's absolutely, especially for preachers, if you're listening to this, and you might know this already, but if you don't, this would be worth it. Uh, there's something called the New English Translation, the Net Bible, and um, it's usually, they've made this decision from the get-go to uh, publish it freely and distribute it freely so typically you can get it online or you can buy i've got like i've got a beautiful uh polyglot where it's got the the, the greek text and then the, the net and the whole thing it's claim to fame it's a whole bunch of uh, scholars actually from dallas theological seminary okay. um and it started off as a project there but they wanted to um instead of they wanted a completely fresh translation that didn't have to worry about sales, right? So, you know, often the thing with Bible translations is if you go to a Bible, it used to be this way anyway, you go to your Bible store, your bookstore, you know, yep. you're like, oh, time to buy myself a brand new, you know, cowhide leather Bible. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to go for this translation. The first thing we all do is open up to our favorite translation, our favorite verses. And yep. uh, like you just mentioned, Psalm 23. Okay. How does it read? You know? And, yep. um, um, and so, you know, if it's not, if it sounds different, you're not going to, the bottom line is sales don't work. Um, and, and, and so Bible translations that we had to admit it, have to take that into account unless they're just making this decision to go with a fresh translation, uh, that just doesn't have to worry about any of that. Okay. So they did that along and with a great team of scholars and came up with some amazing, amazing things. Like one of the things that, that stands out to me is uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That would be a classic example of where we go in the book in the bookstore to see how this translation reads. And yeah. we do that because of sentimental reasons. We love that verse. It's, it's ministered to us. But it's very old English and it obscures what's being said there. Uh, the, the old English there is, is saying, for God so loved, like in this way, not, in this as, in, not as yeah. in so, so much, you know, as we read yeah. it. Um, and so they've just gone ahead and retranslated that. They're like, in this way, God loved the world. And, yeah. um, and so it's not going to make major sales, but it's really fresh and very accurate. And there it is. The other thing about this translation is that they've, um, rather than squabble about, you know, where they're going to end up uh, amongst the translation committee, they placed the weight on the actual translation notes themselves. So mm. you've got thousands of footnotes. I mean, just copious at every point. So it's like a preacher's wow. dream. Um, not I only, confess, I've never used it. Is that this right? Is all, wow, it's oh, all man. news to me, bro. It's well, good. you know what. Go and get that thing. You're in for a real treat. It's, I think it's, it's because I don't. I never had the internet in my office. So like net Bible. Oh no, I need the net. 
Right, totally. Yeah, uh, that was maybe. Well, I, you know, I I, I sympathize because my church's name is GraceNet, and we did not intend that to have any connotations to the internet. So I get it. Uh, sometimes we blend around names, uh, but um, yeah, look, go get that thing. You're in for a treat because um, you know these these footnotes are just pure gold every time. They they what they do is they outline the decision making process that the translation committee had to work through to get to what they chose, giving you all the other options in the meantime. It's like yeah. so informative. And, <laughs> um, and then added to that, they've, um, they've, they've published, they've joined hands with like the Nestle Alliance and the USB and, and, and uh, UBS, sorry, um, to, to uh, put out Greek text that, that incorporate these notes into the um, textual variants and then extrapolate on those textual variants added to the translation stuff. So they've really majored in on notes and freshness. So I don't know, for preachers, I would, you know, it's not going to cost you a lot to get hold of this. Uh, certainly if you've got any kind of Bible software, you can usually integrate that fairly um, inexpensively. But it is so worth it. And almost, I would say now, an essential tool um, when, you're, when you're looking, I mean, for Bible study as well, but certainly for preachers. Uh, as they're working through any level of um, translation yeah. nuance and, yeah. and, and original text. I also like to recommend a book. Yeah. So uh, a book that really, really helped me was Leland, Leland Riken. Oh, yeah. The Word of God in English, Criteria mm. for Excellent Excellence in Bible Translation from Crossway. Yeah. It <clears throat> was a fantastic book. And he's, he's an RV man. Yeah. <laughs> right. the, uh, so he loved the King James. Uh-huh. He realized that it was dated, so he he always not the RSV, not to be mm -hmm. confused with the RSV, the yes. RV, the revised version. Revised version. Yeah. And he glories in the ESV translation because of his language emphasis. Mm. He's a, a literary guy. I think he did the literary study Bible for Crossway. That's right, and, and he's uh, yeah, he's a prof. You know, so uh, he's got a very yeah. uh, critical view on a lot of the history of why certain translations arose. Mm -hmm. So just take that uh, from where it comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he's, he's pretty highbrow when it comes to language. He's, uh -huh. he's speaking from his field of um, interest. Yeah. But um, just incredibly helpful in terms of, you know, understanding where our English Bibles come from and how to make a good choice. Totally. I mean, that guy's put out some awesome stuff on on just um, English literature in general, and um, and he's done the work on the classics as it relates to Christianity. I mean, yeah, he's done yeah. some great stuff. I've got his... Um, uh, English, uh, what, what, what was it called in literary, literary study Bible? Um, yeah. yeah, so it's just great as well. Just giving you some elements of, of the text there that unless you're a real, uh, uh, you know, um, English nerd on, on those things, <laughs> yeah, you'd never pick them up and they are often very, very illuminating. So yeah, that's a great tip. And that's thoroughly related to the issue of translation. Um, cool. I suppose more we could say, but there's enough to get you thinking. And, mm -hmm. um, and so go and check those resources out and um and yeah hopefully you, you land in a in a comfortable spot well maybe one more point to make um in just we've kind of made it implicitly but i would often if you if you are wrestling with a certain translation i would uh, uh, honestly recommend just getting into commentaries that deal with translation um mm. because usually a commentary worth its salt will offer a translation and the reason why that's so valuable um, it's not going to be a translation that you can buy, you know, in a leather-bound format. Um, or, but you, these are scholars that have spent their whole life not trying to, you know, translate a whole bunch of things, but just theologically 
They're not so much yeah. worried about the the the, the grammatical and well, um, they're not so worried about the way it's going to come across in idiom and blah blah blah. They're just simply they've devoted their entire life to one particular text. They understand this thing in and out. Have landed on a certain understanding and almost are guaranteed to offer a superior translation conveying that understanding at least and um yeah. you know it, it's 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 going to be idiosyncratic at, at, at many points um but and it's going to be in line with that theology that they're presenting as a whole but i've just found over the years that those those guys you know so if you if you really want to major in on something don't forget the commentaries for translation um and and mm. often that helps you put Amen. everything else in perspective as well all right cool Anyways, that's good. Let's uh, let's call it. Uh, that's Thursday theology. Read your Bibles. Go have some fun. <laughs> Get a good translation. Get Benefit good tra- from the Word of God. Totally. Amen. Just whatever you do, though, read it. Amen. <laughs> you know, don't don't squabble around around translations. Just read the thing. If you haven't read your whole Bible. Read the message. I don't care. Just get the whole thing done. Read it. Don't, um, read, don't read the message. Yeah, read the message. Just read it. Eugene's awesome. Don't read the message. 